going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let, let's get right to it. All right, now please to welcome into the uh, Ryan and Goodman podcast, none other than uh, Worcester Academy Hilltopper, uh, Rick Carlisle, class <laughs> of 79. Is that correct, Rick? It is. You've got a good memory. I don't have a good memory. Not I many I, people know that. I just knew, I, I spaced it together with the fact that I knew you started at Maine in 79. So my, my brilliant math skills allowed me to figure that one out. That's very good. That was good. Yeah, you know, uh, Worcester Academy's got some NBA alumni. Uh, Mike Malone went there. Uh, Donnie Nelson went there. Um, a few others. There's a, a son of uh, former uh, Spurs owner Angelo, Angelo Drosos. His, his son, uh, and John, went to Worcester with my brother Bill, who came a couple of years after me, so – well, there's quite a few. Craig Smith who went to BC. He was, a, you know, played in the league. He he was a Worcester Academy guy, and uh, oh god, oh, we go way back when when I, when I was at BC and myself, we had a very noted Worcester Academy guy, Steve Allman, who was a really great shooter for us. Anyway, Worcester Academy. Yes, you didn't you didn't know that, about Rick Bob when he was at Worcester Academy. You didn't go down to the the, no, the hilltop and do a big story on him. No, I guess I was occupied. I, there was, I, 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 that year, they had some guy named Bird. I don't know. I, I never know whatever happened to him. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what life is, uh, shall we say, what, uh, capricious right now, Rick? I mean, day to day, you just have to look at every day and hope there's no bad news in terms of you know what? Yeah, I mean, you know, having gone through this now for the better part of nine months, um, and you know, dealing with the NBA on all of this, the preparations going into Orlando bubble restart, um, the preparations for this season, you know, the, the level of meticulous care and preparation to detail, um, coming up with medical protocols that, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily able to simulate the Orlando bubble situation, but, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying. And so far with, reasonably reasonably good success to create you know like a traveling bubble mm-hmm. in. and so uh you know to this point um there hasn't been any tremendously crazy stuff and we'll just keep hoping for the best yeah well and, uh, it, it's a crazy well we all know that um so you're uh so so far so so it's a season and this little snapshot that we have of the season how do you feel about your team right now well I feel better you know in recent games we're 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 playing better we're defending better um our makeup is different this year you know we have more defensive players um we don't have the same top to bottom shooting um you know with the loss of of Seth Curry and but also Porzingis hasn't played yet and Porzingis adds an element of shooting and spacing, you know, at seven foot three, that's uh, extremely unique to say the least. So, you know, we're hoping um, it's a matter of days, not weeks, you know, before he's able to, to kind of crawl back into the lineup and work his way back in. But uh, games are hard. You know, everybody's playing really, really hard. Um, 
we have 13 of 19 on the road to start the season. So I don't, I can't imagine anyone has a harder yeah. schedule. You know, our first six days of the season started uh, December 22nd in Phoenix. Then we went to LA. So we missed totally missed Christmas. Hmm. Um, and from the 22nd to the 27th, we were on the road and then, uh, you know, and then came back and, uh, you know, and, and so we played a couple of games and we're back on the road again. Now we got, you know, we're, we're two games on the road right now. Uh, we're back at home for a day and a half. Then we leave for Denver tomorrow. So a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. And your, uh, your prize prodigy uh, looks like he's continuing on his path nicely, Mr. Doncic. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing well. Um, you know, his start to the season was, uh, was challenging. Um, he was one of many players that, had gotten the word pretty early on that, Hey, this thing wasn't going to restart until January or February. Um, so he was, <clears throat> you know, he didn't have his, his preparation and conditioning back home to where it needed to be when this thing started back up December 1st. And so, uh, but he's fighting through it, you know, um, I don't know when this will uh, be out there, but last night we played in Houston and he had a 33 point triple double. So he's, yeah, He's doing better. And, uh, you know, this guy is, 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 is a very special player. So I, I want to know, Rick, you know, we see him on the court and he's smiling, but he's a killer. You could tell like an absolute killer. What are his practice habits like? Like what, what is he like when we don't see him, but you do, is he the same way? Is he smiling, having fun yet very professional and also able to kind of have that killer instinct in practice? Well, he's a competitor, and his practice habits each year continue to get better and better. Um, He's a young guy who likes to compete. So when we're doing stuff where there's, you know, five-on-five competition or we'll have some kind of a a prize for, you know, winning a drill, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Jason Kidd that way. And if you come up with a drill to try to simulate something, you know – Kid and, and Doncic are guys that will figure out the, the best possible way to manipulate the drill to, you know, like we had a thing one day where, you know, you had to make at least five passes before you got a shot. So his, his adjustment to it was to throw it back and forth to the five, to the, to the center four times in the backcourt. <laughs> and then that, you know, now we can play, you know? And so, but, but the, look, the, this is, this is what great players and some of the real, you know, savant thinkers that we've seen in the history of this game, you know, you're talking about guys like Bird, like Magic Johnson, uh, Jordan, you know, was, was very, very similar. Uh, LeBron James, I'm sure Kobe Bryant was, was a lot like this too. Um, but as, as, as time moves along, um, you know, the, the level of growth is really there and, in all areas from skill refinement to, to leadership uh, on the floor in games and in practice. You mentioned Larry, I had to get to it with, because of the, uh, the skill set comparison, uh, the division, the, uh, the, the creativity that, that Luca has. Uh, and, you know, now you played with Larry at his peak. Absolutely. And when you came to the team, Larry was in the midst of winning, going to, winning three straight <laughs> MVPs. He was at the peak of his game before his back set in and an elbow and all that stuff. Uh, so w- comparison in terms of what they bring to the game, what they see, what, what, what they have to offer to the game of basketball, uh, Luca and Larry. Yeah, many similarities. Um, you know, 
a, a sort of savant simplicity level of thinking, um, seeing things before they're going to happen. Um, you know, both guys have the characteristic of at times becoming bored with the game and, and getting into a, getting into a creative mode just to try to break up the monotony, you know, which is uh, a little challenging at the beginning of our season this year with, uh, with the difficulty of our schedule and the fact that he's Luke has been, been catching up a little bit conditioning wise, but um, you know, the, the, the great players that have the skill that have the vision that have the body type. Um, and look, Larry Bird could have been a point guard in the NBA, you know, um, and at 6'9", almost 6'10", he was the, the prototypical perfect power forward, a perfect small forward, you know, in the, in, in, during the entire 80s and a little bit into the 90s, and then he kind of changed over to the four position. But, you know, Doncic is a good 6'7", you know, without shoes on. Um, he is, you know, phenomenally strong, quick, and fast. But he is big, and you know, people that were looking at film on him from Europe and trying to trying to trying to judge his level of of uh, physical ability and stuff like that. We're we're looking at games where you know he's playing against the 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 international caliber athlete, which is you know a notch or two or and sometimes three below NBA athletes. And so there were a lot of people that weren't convinced, but. He gets anywhere he wants to on the court, um, and he just has the ability to make something out of nothing, which is very, very unique. The new year is here and marks a fresh start for your small business. Whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person and find them quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 722 million members worldwide. Getting started easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions. LinkedIn will quickly get your role in front of more qualified candidates. Manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. And now you can do this all from your mobile device, no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn jobs can help you hire the right person faster. Visit LinkedIn.com slash scribe to get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash scribe and you'll get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that, that ability to get where you want to go. You've got another guy that's a microcosm of that, Mr. Brunson. He gets yeah. ready to go, and yet he's not the greatest athlete on the floor by or at his size even, right? It's, it's yeah, but Brunson, Brunson's a better athlete than people think, um, and, he, and he has, but he has basketball athleticism. He has basketball speed. He has basketball quickness, and he has a great sense for the game. You know, um, when Jerry Rice was coming out of college, you know, he didn't time particularly well in the 40, 
But if, if you hear his interviews and hear him talk about, he had, he, he knew he had football speed and he knew that he was going to be a guy that meticulously was going to learn to run routes. And he was going to really conquer the detail aspects of the game, which would improve his quickness. Um, even if it, even if it wasn't, wasn't a measurable type thing. And, and Brunson is, Brunson is much the same way. So I, I want to go back, Rick. I know Bob wanted to go to the Celtics. I want to go even further back. I, I have a, I have a weird question for you. You played for Terry Holland at Virginia. Why did Terry Holland retire from, from coaching as early as he did? He was like at an elite level. Like, I think he went to an elite eight his last year or his second to last year coaching. Do you know the answer to that? Cause it, it's so rare these days that somebody <laughs> quits at 48 years old. It shocks I, me. I do, I do know the answer, but I'm not, sure. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a, okay. it, it's, it's something that um, would be, you know, um, fair to his integrity as a person. You know, he, he never, yep. he never talked about it. Um, there were some things that weren't sitting well with him. And I think, I, I think it's best to just leave it at that. But, you know, he was, uh, he was at Davidson. Um, I believe he played at Davidson and coached at Davidson with lefty Drizelle before um, getting the job at Virginia. And so there was an opportunity to go to Davidson back to his home school as an athletic director. Um, he took that. He had a very good run there. And then, um, you know, I believe he, he got back to uh, UVA and in some capacity in the athletic administration there. And um, and this past Father's Day, we had a, an amazing Zoom call with him and um, a bunch of guys, you know, that uh, that played for him, including Ralph Sampson, um, guys from their 81 Final Four team, Lamp, Raker, you know, all those guys, um, you know, Ricky Stokes and, 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 and a lot of guys that were, you know, really, really helped make that program. So uh, Coach Holland is still doing well. I yeah. stay in touch with him you know, on a very consistent basis, he and his wife, Ann, she has a podcast too, if you're ever. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said me, um, but he's doing great, but I appreciate you asking that question. Yeah. It was just the question one of those Rick where I've always wanted to know and never really gotten the answer. Maybe I should dig in and look into a story. The other one I have for you is Maine to Virginia. There are a lot of transfer ups. Now guys going up a level uh, when you did it, was it rare? And you did it kind of seamlessly to some degree. When you look at it, uh, you were you were good at Maine, and most guys. I actually did a, a study this past off season. Most guys when they transfer up, and I know this was you know thirty years ago, uh, maybe longer. Um, yeah, I'm giving you the benefit. I'm trying to be nice to you with your age, um, but most guys you cut their numbers in half when they transfer up, and uh, for you, your your production was about the same, and obviously. You had a hell of a run at Virginia in your couple of years there. Yeah. You know, there was one person that was really uh, very much responsible for my ability to transfer there and the success that I had there. And that was Jim Laranega. Now, when I played at Worcester Academy, Laranega was the head coach at American International College in Springfield. Um, it was around the, the time when uh, Mario Ellie was going to be coming there. Yep. Um, when I was in prep school, I was the prototypical Division two, you know, prospect. Uh, you know, 6'5", you know, run around, dribble, be, you know, dribble, make a play, make a shot, 
Um, you know, New, New England was, you know, was, was looking division, division two, New England was, was starved for guys like me. And, but my goal was to play division one. Well, Aaron Aga, you know, he watched me play. He, he thought that I re- reminded him, I think a lot of the way he played when he was coming up. Um, and he was at all of our games. I mean, he would come to all of our games. He'd want to talk. We had, we had these conversations and stuff like that. Um, but I was not going to American International College. I mean, I, I you know, if, if I was going to go to Division II, it was probably going to be either Assumption or Bentley. You know, both of those, both of those programs were, were, were really high-level Division II programs. But the one Division I school that was, was recruiting me was Maine, and they were really on the fence as to whether, you know, they thought I could, I could really play or not. Um, and interestingly, you know, when, you, when I talked to Skip Chappelle years later, um, you know, he and Peter Gavitt was his assistant, and, and they were recruiting me. They came to a scrimmage that we played against uh, St. John's Prep, which is another Worcester school. And I remember seeing those guys in the stands and saying to myself, you know, I don't know how I'm going to play in this game, but these guys have got to see that I am like the hardest playing guy they've ever seen. And I just remember <laughs> diving all over the place. You know, and, and after the fact, once I got there and maybe may have been a year or two later, you know, coach Chappelle said to me, he goes, listen, he goes, we didn't know if you could really play or not, but that, that one track, that one scrimmage, you know, against St. John's, he goes, we just felt like, God, there's a guy that's going to play that hard. I mean, how can, how can this guy hurt our program? And then once I got there, you know, Maine, Maine was the perfect kind of setup for me. It was, it was, a, it was a kind of a, um, Indiana, you know, Bobby Knight's type of offense, read, react, you know, um, shooter friendly, playmaker friendly, stuff like that. And, you know, I had a couple of years, had a couple of years there and, um, you know, after the second year, we were, you know, two games above 500 again for the second year. And, and I had told coach going into the, into the second year that, you know, if if things weren't getting better, I was going to consider transferring. So what happened was Larinaga ended up at the University of Virginia with Terry Holland. He wasn't long for American International College either, you know, not that it's a bad place or anything, but. Terry knew him somehow. And so he got to Virginia. And then, um, you know, when I decided that I wanted to leave in those days, you had to get a, you had to get a release from your school. Um, and you had to call schools, you know? Um, and so, you know, I, I had to go through some stuff to get a release, you know, Maine didn't, didn't want me to go. Um, you know, it turned out yet, you, you know, when this happened and I had, talked to some other players who had transferred, done the same thing. You got to, you got to threaten lawsuits and stuff like this. And then generally they come around and that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, But they, you know, they finally said yes. And then, you know, I had three visits. I visited Providence, I visited Syracuse and I visited um, uh, Virginia and Virginia, you know, had been in the final four that year. Uh, Providence was in a rebuild. Joe Mulaney had gotten there. I, I took a visit to Providence and, um, you know, and they were, they were just trying to find anybody. And Gary Walters had been the coach. He was still involved with the school. And he, and he told Joe, he goes, and, and Joe was, Joe had, was an older guy at that point. I don't remember how old he was, but he had to be mid to late sixties. Um, I went in there and, and Joe was telling, you know, we went to lunch. He was telling me stories about coaching the Lakers and, you know, 
giving West the ball on one side of the floor and because of the zone, the zone defensive rules standing in four guys at half court and guys had to stay within six feet of them. And then West would just go one-on-one. This was fascinating stuff. And in and, and my second year at Maine, we had played a game at University of Kentucky, who was, they were a top one or two team in the country. So I had this VHS film of me having a pretty good game at Kentucky. And I said, coach, this is coach Malay. I said, do you want to see, here's a, here's a video. He goes, no, no, no. I, I heard you can play. I heard, I heard you're good enough. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Oh man, I don't know about this. <laughs> and then Syracuse, you know, I had, I had grown up going to their camps um, for years. Uh, I worked their camps for years. I mean, they, they knew me. And then they, they all of a sudden were interested because, you know, they probably didn't want somebody that was kind of right at their, right at their feet to go somewhere else and maybe, maybe do okay. And so I was, and Virginia was really intriguing to me. I mean, I had been in Maine, which is, you know, as cold as shit all, I mean, it is cold up there. My second year, it, it, it snowed five inches in May at the beginning of May, you know? And so I, I got off the plane at, at the, at, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I mean, it was cherry blossoms and beautiful weather. And, and it was like Nirvana, you know? And then, uh, you know, I had a, had a wonderful visit, met all the guys, you know, met, met Samson, you know, Lampraker, all those guys. Um, and, and, and it turned out that Jeff Jones, who was the starting point guard, was going to be playing uh, his senior year, which would be my transfer sit-out year. And then, um, and then I could possibly just slide right in. They, they had a position kind of built for a player like, like, like him and me. And so – you know, once they offered me the scholarship, it was, you know, it was an easy decision. And look, at that point, if I'm going to leave Maine, if I'm going to do all this, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the highest possible level and find out if I could do it or not. And Virginia was, it was an amazing experience. I got to ask you one more Virginia question. One more Terry Holland question. Can you possibly shed any light on something that I've heard over the years? Was that either a Terry Holland had a dog named Dean or Dean had a dog named Terry that there was joking about that. Did you anything about their relationship that you could shed any light on? This is another Goodman question. That uh, is a great question, but I'm not. I'm not going to go there. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I, 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 you I, have I, too much respect for all the people involved in that we're, question. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting Andrew, Rick with all these questions. He's no oh, commenting yeah, us on. Yeah, I love it. Yes. I love it. Hey, you guys yeah, have done your homework. Yes. I give you that. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else on Bet Online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Jeff, you know the answer is yes. And also, of I'm intrigued that guy from Ogdensburg, New York, I would think he would think Orono was like the tropics. <laughs> well, Bob, it was actually colder than New York because yeah. uh, where I was. I mean, you look at it on the map, it's actually further north and further east. Yeah, I mean, is it you're getting really to the edge of the wilderness up there. Um, yeah. I've been, I've been up there. Yeah. Different country. And, 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 you know, back in those days, you know, it, it was snowing a lot more back in those days. It doesn't doesn't snow as much now for you know whatever it is, global warming or whatever. But um, 
I remember, I remember there was one trip we took from Orono down to Portland to play a game against somebody, and our bus had no heat. Oh. And it was, it was 10 or 15 below. It was, it was one of the most memorable, horrible experiences I've ever had. And that, was, that was another thing that kind of got me thinking transfer the second year, too. <laughs> I don't blame you. Charlottesville's, hey, Charlottesville's pretty nice. It's warm. Um, it, it makes sense. So you're in your 13th year now in Dallas. How, how have you changed, Rick? I mean, what I always remember hearing about you was you were a tough mf for for lack of a better word. You were tough. And uh, I know last year, I think I even talked to some people around there and, and players that I know, and they said, listen, he's definitely mellowed over the years. No doubt. Um, do you have to? Is it is it age or is it the 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 way the game and the players have changed a little bit? Well, you know, I, that's a that's a a good question. It's you know the, the level of good fortune that I've had um, is hard to explain. You know, I I go back to uh, and this is a this is this is a true story and this is this is nut this is nuts, but. You know, I was, I was playing golf with my dad a couple of days before I went to Celtics training camp in 1984. Um, yeah, I grew up, grew up playing some golf, and I, I just loved spending time with my dad out there. And so I was hitting a few balls after we played one day, um, and I was leaving for Celtics camp the next, the next day. I was, I was driving. I think I was driving there. And um, – I was hitting five irons. I'll never forget this. And I had one of those red shag bags where you, you know, to pick up balls, you, you kind of pluck them with that tube thing. And it starts to rain. Then I hear some thunder. And so I go out and start picking up the balls and I bend over to pick up, you know, one ball that I see. And all of a sudden I feel something hit me in the middle of my back, just below my neck. And it shoots out into my fingertips so it turns out I got hit by lightning. Come on. Yeah. I mean, that had to be what it was. And it was just, it was a very glancing blow or whatever. Oh, so, you know, so one of the things that as I look at, at my career, um, look, I wasn't even going to go to camp with the Celtics. I was looking for a job in like France or Belgium or something like that. I mean, they had won a championship in 84 and I was somebody that was, you know, looking to, just try to make money playing basketball if I could turned out that, you know, the European market wasn't, wasn't very interested in me. And so I, you know, I went to Boston, first of all, I had to not get killed being hit by lightning, uh, <laughs> went to Boston, uh, you know, met Bob Ryan, not too long after, um, you know, we had this training camp, which was really unique because you know two of the starting players weren't there Henderson and, and Maxwell weren't there all of a sudden there's 14 guys in camp four rookies and 10 other vets and like I'm I'm like in the in the, the starting second unit every single day getting reps and reps and then getting in these games and then sure enough game two at Worcester you know or you know where I've had a lot of history Bob may, may even remember this game but we were playing the Rockets I got in there you know, I had 18 points. Ainge started the game. He had 25. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the organization, and Red was around a lot in those days, decided that, you know, Danny could be the starting 
guard and that, that I could be a roster player. And so, you know, Gerald got traded, you know, for the pick that ended up being Lynn Bias, as most people are aware. Um, and that was, that was the beginning for me. And so um, I've seen a lot, you know, and, and you get to this point, um, you know, the level of gratitude and that I have just for, for everything, you know, but I always had such great love and respect for the game. I, I think that was one of the reasons I got good breaks. I worked, I worked hard at it, but, but I was, I was lucky. And there were a lot of people that, that did a lot of great things for me. The answer to the question is, you know, I don't, I don't know if mellowed is the right word, but, but I've, I've gotten smarter. You know, I think all of us do. And if we don't, you know, we're going to end up on our ass somewhere. Um, you know, I've been, I've been humbled too many times. As Chuck Daly used to say, you know, I've made every mistake there is to make, and I'm going to make more. And I'm always going to remind myself of that. Um, And look, another thing that has a, you know, a a really profound change on you is, is fatherhood. So I've got a daughter now who's 16. Um, You know, somehow or other, she posts something on Instagram and gets 2,500 likes. I mean, you explain to me how, how this is possible. And it's not even basketball stuff or anything like that. But I've learned a lot from her about, you know, today's generation. Um, and, and you've got to be an observer and you've got to be a learner. And you've got to always work on being a better communicator. You playing, uh, you're, by you're, the way, you playing the piano with her singing was awesome. Not good. <laughs> you could just tell how, how cool it was for you. And she didn't seem embarrassed doing it with her dad. Like that, that was the best part. Yeah. I, I had to talk her into it. You know, she's, <laughs> she's sure. got a, as you could, as you could tell, she's got a, she's got a very good voice and she's getting more into music. She's doing some of her own writing of songs. She's learning about chords and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. Uh, your first NBA coach, KC uh, passed away recently. Uh, your reflections on, on KC playing for Kim. Well, I defy, I defy anyone in this world to go find somebody who has something bad to say about Casey Jones. I mean, this is one of the, the most legendary basketball people, basketball men. I mean, you talk about the number of championships. I mean, you look at his coaching credentials. I mean, he's, he's a Hall of Fame caliber coach. Um, may, may, may not have made it as a coach because he didn't, wasn't in it as long as some others. Maybe I, I don't know, but, um, you know, let's just put aside the fact that the, the, the basketball success is there at the most, some of the most amazing galactically amazing levels. This is one of the kindest, uh, warmest human beings that was, you know, categorically, across the board, loved and respected by every single guy that was on those Celtic teams when I played. And in, and in today's world of, of labeling and, 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 and a lot of, you know, negative stuff that goes on, you know, the, the, the warm, authentic memories of Casey Jones are, th- you know, are things to make you smile. When you, you, did you ever play the piano with, with him singing? I did one time we played a, we're in a luncheon and um, I had learned 
You Are So Beautiful, which was a, a Joe Cocker song. Yeah. That was one of the ones that he sang. And there was a, there was a link that, that went viral, you know, with him, uh, I think, singing at the Parker House. Bob, you probably saw it. You know, he was talking about. Yes. You get on there, he had the mic. He was talking. And it is so great. I mean, it's so great. I mean, this was, you know, music and, and singing um, was one of the, the things that really lit him up to, to a, different, a different kind of personality. He was a very reserved guy, but when he got that microphone in his hand, he smiled, he started singing. And his voice was uh, spectacular. Not, not just good, but, but, you know, really tremendous. Yeah, I urge people to go seek out YouTube. It's really, really remarkable. It's really worth it. Um, the game has changed. We know we, dramatically the three-point shot has altered the whole concept of, of offense and defense. I understand that's a different world. So putting the three-point world aside, the Warriors at their best and all that, the one, have you ever seen a better team in the 85-86 Celtics if we just acknowledge that the game has changed? Well, of course I haven't. <laughs> no, I, 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 would, I would trust no, I would What's trust he going to say, Bob? Come on, what's he going to say here? No, no, what's he going to See, I trust this man to be honest. But I mean, I, yeah. it's something of a leading question because you know how I feel. I've, I've been, I've expressed myself a thousand times. It's the greatest team of all time. Uh, and, and the trump card for me was no other team brought anything resembling a Bill Walton off the bench. And no, that yeah. was the trump card to me. Yeah. And, and look, the team was, um, was an amazingly close knit group of guys. Um, you know, when, when Casey passed, I, I sent the link out of the, the thing, the YouTube thing that you, that you and I are talking about, Bob. And, you know, I sent it out to nine, nine or 10 of the guys, including, you know, Parrish, Maxwell, Sam Vincent, uh, Larry, Kevin, Danny, uh, Kite, Seasting, Wedman, and talked to probably six or seven of those guys, and Mikhail. Um, and everybody was commenting, oh, wow, you know, just all these, all these great things about, about KC. And so, you know, the camaraderie on that team was, was very, very unique. Um, you remember the Christmas day game? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah and, that, and that was, that was a, you know, that was a, a, a seminal moment because when we blew the 25 point lead at New York to a team that wasn't very good, um, you know, on Christmas day on national TV, um, you know, the, the, the team, the vet, I should say the veteran guys got together and decided that they were going to give up drinking until we won the championship. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, one of those group sacrifices that was, that was really uh, pivotal, that was, you know, um, that really told a story about, about the, importance, the importance of winning in the 80s and the importance of your team being, being that team, you know, um, the Lakers Celtics uh, rivalry of the eighties, it, it really spurned a, a great interest from the Pistons. Isaiah Thomas hooked yeah. into it. You know, Chuck Daly was the coach. I worked for Chuck a couple of years um, later on in his career and got a lot of really interesting, you know, stuff about those Detroit teams and, and how much they were, you know, really locked into what was going on with the Celtics and Lakers. And they, they starved, for you know um they had an insatiable appetite to be champions i mean to be in in that conversation is you know having have you know 
having that ring. Because back in those days, it was, you know, um, the thing that all the great players would say is, you know, how many rings you got, motherfucker? I mean, that was that was the moniker uh, back in those days. Bob, and you, and you remember that because, you know, when you were riding on team buses and stuff like that, there was a lot of that stuff flying around. Oh, sure. No question. Bob, what was your what was your favorite story of covering Rick? I, I, I want to hear I want to hear something. Well, I'll tell you, the game that year, I remember. You know, they won sixty seven games. One I do remember specifically: Sunday afternoon in February in Los Angeles, and uh, Rick, Rick Carlisle hitting that corner jumper, and uh, he was a pivotal player in that game that day. So uh, nobody can ever take that away from him. I can tell you that right now. And uh, beating the Lakers in L.A. that day, I remember that very very well. But uh, well, you know, uh, you know, in the, in those days. Um, those teams were so close that, you know, whoever could sweep the series was probably going to have best record in the league. I mean, it was, it would always come down to that. Um, And that would determine who was going to have home court, you know, in in the finals. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was my second year and I had gotten into the rotation and had some decent games, but uh, that was a really big moment for me because, you know, when I had 10 points in that game and I hit that shot against the shot clock, or, you know, over Worthy or whoever it was, I mean, that was the first time that, that Dennis Johnson, who I I just, you know, uh, I had such um, regard for, you know, as a as a player, as a, as a talent, as a person. I mean, the stuff I was seeing on a night, night-to-night basis, the first time he ever, he ever acknowledged to me, hey, Great game. <laughs> oh, it was it was like a huge thing. It was really? like a huge thing. Because like, he never he never said he that wasn't him. Yeah, it just wasn't really his personality to be kind of a gushy type guy like that. And and um, but but that was you know it was it was just a moment where there was there was, there was a little respect that, that coming that 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 I had never heard from him and and even a couple of the other guys and that. And that's what that's what was such a big thing with with those teams during that era was, you know, what can you do to help us win a big game? You know, Um, maybe it's like, I mean, Bob, you remember like Greg Kite going into some of those games, you know, just to just to be a physical presence. Oh, yeah. To try to, you know, uh, make it difficult on Kareem or somebody like that. And, you know, we end up winning the game. I mean. You know, these guys would be would, would be like, hey, man, you know, great, you know, great job, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. And and that's what it was. And we were we were all starved to try to to try to do something, you know, to help the team, you know, even if it's the smallest possible thing to move toward the possibility of a championship. Yeah. So what 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 is it like uh, working for Mark Cuban? Like, give me, give me your greatest Mark Cuban story. And I don't mean one when you were like, I don't know if you were ever in a club with Mark Cuban, but I, I've seen plenty of pictures of, of uh, Mark Cuban in the clubs, you know, with Chandler Parsons back in the day or whoever. Um, I know they could get after it. I know, I know Chandler. I've known Chandler for a long time. I love him. There's a guy who could get after it. Uh, what's your favorite Mark Cuban story? Wow. Well, you know, Tough question. There's a lot of them. Um, I think there's a there's a there's a perception, and I know there was a perception when I was talking to these guys about coming here that um, that he's 
super involved, that he's a meddler, that this and that and the other. And, you know, when I talked to him about coming here, um, it was interesting. Terry Stotts and Dwayne Casey had sat out the same year I did in 07, 08. Um, and I had talked to Dwayne about the possibility of working with me, you know, if I got a job uh, coming out of this little hiatus thing. And I had actually traveled to Seattle a couple of times because that's where he was living to talk to him. Uh, turned out that he and I had a lot of the same views of the game. And then the two, the, the, uh, the two of us, Dwayne and I, did a, a thing for the NBA of uh, guys that were former players who were interested in getting co- into coaching. It was like a, like a two-day clinic thing, and Terry Stotts was involved because he was doing some stuff with the NBA having to do with um, – you know, re- referee, you know, oversight and stuff like that. He was always really interested in that side of it. So the three of us spent a couple of days together. And then, you know, I ended up talking to Terry. He came down to South Carolina and visited me at our place down there for a couple of days to talk about the possibility of, you know, working together if, if you know, things kind of fell in line. And so the three of us on one day in the spring of 2008, um, we're in Indianapolis. Those guys came into town. We had three interviews. Um, Donnie Walsh flew in. He was with the Knicks at the time. He flew in, um, you know, very quietly and uh, interviewed us at the airport in a, in a private room in an FBO. And I, and I had these guys with me. And, and we were kind of interviewing as a package, you know. Um, and then at uh, 5.30, 5, 5.30 p.m., uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson came over to our house in Indiana and um, came for dinner. And that was the second time I was sitting down with them. And then about 9.30 at night, uh, Donnie Nelson knocks on the door and I knew he was going to be coming. Um, and we had just, I'll never forget it. We had just put mulch down in our landscaping. So it kind of smelled like a, 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 cow, a cow barnyard. And, you know, Donnie's from, he's from the Midwest. So he's at the door. He's got cowboy, he's got cowboy boots on and a, and a, and a John Deere hat and a, you know, and my wife, Donnie answers the door and she, and he goes, smells like Iowa here. <laughs> <laughs> so he came in and we went down in the basement, you know, me, me, Casey Stotts and, uh, and Donnie and talked, talked basketball for a couple hours. Uh, turned out that I was the only guy that they were really interested in talking to. Um, and so, uh, you know, things kind of got moving. And then the next day, Mark, who was uh, Mark Cuban, who was, uh, had been in Chicago the previous day, cause he was talking about tr- trying to buy the Cubs at the time. He flies in and we meet at a small hotel out near the airport in a, in a little meeting room. And Mark walks in and he just starts talking. You know, he just starts talking about the team, starts talking about the league, starts talking about Dallas. And, and it was like, you know, and I had, at one point I said, Marcos, I, I just got one question for you. What if you were to find out that the team actually performed better if you weren't in the bench area? Because this was one of the things, you know, people were, were, were seeing him down there. He looked, you know, so involved. And, and stuff like this. And, and he goes, Oh, no, no, no. It's great. It's great. Because, you know, we're, we're on the road. Um, people just heckle me. They don't even bother the players. <laughs> so, so I knew that this, that this was like, 
never going to be a conversation. And so at that point in time, you know, I ended up getting the job and, you know, I really just ended up saying to Mark right off the bat, look, I know you're close with the players. I know you, you know, you, you go out and, and, and party with these guys some. I know you're going to be talking to them, texting them. I said, however much you're involved, I want you to be involved even more. I want you to be around the team even more. I want you to be as many practices and games as you can. I want you to be in the locker room before the game at halftime. Wow. And I want you to see what's going on all the time. I said, the only thing I ask you, and this, I had never been like this, but this it was clear to me that this situation was different. Yeah. And, yes. and that he was, that he was a very, very important part of it. Um, I said, look, the only thing I ask is that if there's something that I need to know, I said, you gotta, you gotta tell me. And, uh, and so he said, Hey, that's, you've got a deal. And, and, and look, as time has gone on, um, it's gotten harder to keep him around the team. Cause he's got, you know, he's turned into an international TV star, you know, with shark tank and, and a lot of other things. And, um, but this is still his, this is still his baby. This is still his greatest love. And, uh, you know, as, as we've rebuilt the team and, um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he, he lets us do our jobs. He's not, he's not nearly as involved and, uh, a quote unquote meddler as, as people, you know, may, may, well, may not, think or may want to think from the outside. Is he, he's not meddling with like personnel decision. Like he's, is he giving you his thoughts sometimes on, on guys who should be playing more or guys who should be playing less and, and those things, or is it just conversations, Rick? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, and I, and I, I consider this to be one of the great things about working here for assistant coaches um, because what Mark will do, you know, a lot of times he'll, he'll go to the assistant coaches. He, he he doesn't like coming directly with me to me with stuff a lot of times. Um, although I encourage him to, but, but my assistants, you know, um, I've always had coordinators. I have a defensive coordinator, an offense coordinator and the, and Mark will go to these guys, um, and talk to them direct and ask questions and stuff like that. And, and as you know, guys like Steven Silas and Jamal Mosley, you know, have interviews, um, for head coaching jobs. You know, one of the things that I tell decision makers is look, they, these guys have a, have a, have a, a much different level of, exposure to, um, you know, working with owners, dealing with ownership, stuff like that. And, and it's a, it's a next level type thing and you gotta, but, but look, it was, it was the greatest decision I ever made here was to, was to try to involve him even more because it, it built immediate trust. And, you know, he, he has, he has such, he has such presence. Um, and look, he's involved in all the decisions but it doesn't mean that he's meddling. Jeff, if you were to Google Ogdensburg, New York, under the category notable people, the first name that pops up ahead of Jimmy Howard, the goalie for the Red Wings and the Olympic team in 14, noted artist Frederick Remington, many people will be aware of this, is Rick Carlisle, the number one notable person on that list in Ogdensburg, New York. Just, yeah, I did not know that, Bob. Well, and so we're quite honored to have the, the most notable person uh, from Ogdensburg with us today. Before we let you go, Rick, before we let you go, you have to guess 
at whose jersey this is behind me. Raging Cajuns. Um, what team is it? 24. It's, it's now uh, Louisiana uh, Lafayette. It was Southwestern Louisiana at that is time. Is it Rodman? Nope. Southwestern Louisiana? Is it, is it Pippen? No. Nope. This is your time. This is like, this is your time. You played against this dude. Southwestern Louisiana? He was really, he was healthier before, right about when you got to Boston. I mean, Charles Barkley says he's the most talented player he ever played with. Wow. Give me a hint. Number 22 for your arch nemesis team, for the team you hated. 22, 22. I don't know. Which team is that? Is it the Sixers? Oh, Sixers. Gosh. Andrew Tony. There you go. There you go. Boston Strangler. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I think I grew was, up, I grew I up think- in Boston, Rick. As a uh, huge – I just went against my dad. My dad loved the Sixers. I picked the guy that was like the anti-Celtic guy. So, that was it. I, I loved Andrew Tony. I mean, I he was a killer. most forgotten great player in NBA history. Yeah. You know what? He, his, his health problems at the end of his career were, were tragic because, you know, a lot of, a lot of people he, – he needed another three years of that level to really to – you know, to be a historically great player. Um, and it was, it was sad, you know, and look, I wish that players in the eighties, you know, guys like Tony, guys like Larry Bird, McHale, you know, had the benefits of um, today's medical, you know, and, and performance people, you know, they just, uh, it's such a different world, the things that, 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 that they can do to help athletes and NBA players stay on the floor for, and have longer careers. So well, listen, we, we appreciate it. We've kept you long enough. Uh, this was fun. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, can, you, can you hold up the, uh, the, 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 the story that Bob Ryan did? Yeah, yeah this was uh, – I knew Bob wasn't a hater when I, when I saw <laughs> this. It's, it's showing up backwards on my Zoom screen. Oh, no, it's good for us. It looks it's really good. Up a looks young really Rick Carlisle with hair. Yeah, and Bob Bryan with dark colored hair with yep, a mustache. And a it's with good a stuff. Stash. Well, appreciate you guys asking me on, and uh, all the best and good yeah. help. Same Hopefully, we'll see you in person at some point soon. Um, all the best, and uh, be safe, be healthy, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy everything. Okay, take care. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate okay. it, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Take care.